ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lynn with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Daniel Vickery is the head of engineering for energy systems at Gogoro. Gogoro is the leading Taiwanese brand of electric scooters in Taiwan. He's from Boston, which is where I was for 10 years before I came back to Taiwan. Yay, Boston. Anyway, he has a Taiwanese wife, and when he decided to move to Taiwan, he wanted to make sure he got a job that would be meaningful, like make an impact on society. He studied up on Gogoro and applied for a job there, but he never heard from them. Then he attended one of their events, and he got talking to someone who he thought was one of the sales at Gogoro. It turned out that it was the founder of the company, and Daniel finally started working there. Daniel really cares and knows a lot about energy and environmental issues. I was asking him how he felt about the environmental efforts that Taiwan has been doing. The last thing I said last week was how beach cleaning doesn't really do the thing. He continues with that today. I think beach cleanups is a great example where, yeah, you're just cleaning up after a problem. You're kind of yeah. treating you're treating the symptoms, but you're not actually treating the root cause. Exactly. But there is something there. I have to say that you know, climate change is an issue. Is something I've been following for a long time, and it's. You know, it's been it's been getting more and more, from my perspective, like a red alert. You know, ooga, ooga. You know, somebody do something. Yeah. And I've been felt so frustrated that until recently, it's kind of always showed up on the bottom of the list for many people. But that's changed in probably the last one or two years. I've seen a lot of mass media coverage about this, and I think a big part of that is this kind of ocean plastic issue. Yeah. Even if that's not related to climate change, some of these recent events, the ocean plastics, ocean plastics may not be so related to climate change, but also maybe wildfires in California, these kinds of things are so visible that people start to take more notice. And so beach cleanups maybe have some kind of, some kind of advantage here in that they can show people you know, how important the environment is or, or how we're hurting it. But I, I totally agree. Ultimately, we need systematic change and so i tend to be kind of a more of this kind of like engineering approach top down mm -hmm. systematic change guy but you you know what i do oftentimes is i, I i'm creating options for policymakers. you know okay. like i'm building something that is another it's another method or a different approach that a policy or a tool a technological tool a policymaker can use to address a problem like climate change electric scooter is such a tool right um but you can't get the policymakers to use that tool or pay attention unless there also is this kind of large-scale kind of overwhelming grassroots support yeah. that kind of push the policymakers to make that decision. So I do think you kind of need both sides of it. Um, I've never been the guy that is very good at, you know, building awareness for issues or, you know, uh, you know, going to big protests or things, but I can't build circuits, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, ideally, I think that we should be, because Taiwan is a scooter country. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are just so many scooters and um, probably more scooters than cars. And I think that everybody should really be switching over to electric scooters mm. or Gogoro for that matter. Why do you think it's so hard? 
Mm, why is it so hard to switch to electric scooters? Not just coming on here trying to promote Gogoro, but what no, I will say yeah. is that Taiwan, actually, the government has tried to promote electric scooters in the past. Maybe even, you said 29 years ago, 21 years ago you came here? When was it? Uh, 28 years 28 ago. 28 years ago. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably around that time, <laughs> there was also some promotion using, you know, older electric scooter technology. There's been a few iterations of this, and they've never really caught on. And what we kind of notice is that one of the reasons for this is not the electric scooter itself. It's it's the infrastructure to support it because we don't have charging stations or we don't oh, have. Oh yeah, a, that was right? an issue. Yes. Yeah, and so. But that's not a problem anymore. Well, it's not, not a problem anymore. But I think it's because Gogoro has kind of changed this. We have, you know, this kind of battery swapping system, and I'll very quickly explain it for anyone who hasn't seen it. You know. Instead of charging the battery, you go to a, a, a kind of station, and the station has a bunch of batteries that are already charged. And so right. you bring your battery there, you put in your battery that's all used up, and you take a fresh battery. In the U.S., we do this with um, gas tanks for, for barbecues. We do the same oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of swap out an empty, and you get a full. Mm -hmm. And this means it only takes a few seconds, and so this whole problem of finding a place to plug in and then waiting for it is solved. And in a place like Taiwan, so dense, scooters yes. parking on the street, people living in you know big high-rise buildings with maybe walk-up staircases, it just kind of solves that problem of getting the energy to the scooter. So in my opinion, the problem was never really the scooter itself. The scooter was fine. It was the infrastructure to support it. Mm -hmm. And now we've built up, you know, over a thousand of these stations is yeah. more than the gas stations in Taipei. And so we've seen the market share of Gogoro, not, not just in the electric scooter world, but in terms of all scooters sold in, the, in this kind of power class, mm. go from, uh, these are rough numbers here, from nothing to about 10% in the, mat, in the course of three or four years. I really do attribute that to the fact that we have, there's an infrastructure to support it. And that is actually what I do at Gogoro. Mm. So I don't, we have two engineering teams at Gogoro. One designs the vehicle and one designs this energy infrastructure. And the energy infrastructure, that's what I do. This right. battery pack and the battery swapping station and all the, you know, all the bits, software, hardware related to that. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Taiwan. You okay. Know, uh, what are your impressions of Taiwan so far? Okay, Taiwan's uh, interesting. Uh, I'll just I'll I'll be uh, I'll be candid here. Uh, Hong Kong was a lot of fun. It's big and brash, and there's everything and anything there. You know, it's kind of it's there's all kinds of people from all over the world doing lots yes. of things. And when I first got to Taiwan, I have to say that it felt a little bit kind of like a little bit of a letdown. It felt a little more provincial. I wasn't able to so easily find some of these kinds of things that I found in Hong Kong in terms of different people from different places working on different stuff. Like what kind of stuff? Well, I mean, from Hong Kong, if you, and so I'm a foreigner, I'm from the US, and in Hong Kong, you meet people from all over the world very easily who are in many different kinds of industries because Hong Kong is kind of a regional hub for yeah. finance, but also maybe you're an NGO, Basically, all the journalists that cover China are in Hong Kong because China doesn't allow a lot of journalists in their country. If you're working in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, you're in Hong Kong. You might be doing shipping and logistics. You could be doing finance, of course. Um, and when you come to Taiwan, a lot of times the foreigners you meet first are English teachers. And <laughs> I don't have nothing, not, not to say okay. anything against English teachers, but... I wasn't seeing that diversity and meeting all kinds of different people from different places doing different things. But 
that's that's kind of the first impression and maybe there's ways we can make that better but I have to say I mean I, I fall in love with it over time it's mm-hmm. the kind of experience where I grows on me and after four years I almost feel like I'm going to be a lifer, you know, like I, I don't, I, I feel, I feel very close to this place. And I think a lot of these things are, are there, maybe they're more hidden. And there's also a lot of other benefits about this place that maybe uh, are not so publicized, but you kind of grow to appreciate over time. Mm. And maybe I could iterate on a couple things. I mean, I mentioned this a bit before, but there's a lot that we do in Taiwan for the public good whether it's all these wonderful parks in the city, every metro station has a, a breastfeeding room, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we put in places these policies to, to make sure that, you know, even things like public libraries are everywhere. You just appreciate uh, the healthcare system is another great example, yeah. right? And so these are things that you, you maybe are not, you don't come in and you're not looking for them when you first get here, but they make the quality of life so much higher. Mm-hmm. that uh, you grow to really love them and appreciate them over time, and when you leave, you miss them a lot. Yeah. Um, another thing, of course, are uh, the people. I think Hong Kong was killing me slowly, even if I didn't notice it. You know, it's a very stressful place. It's probably the most capitalist place in the world, right? <laughs> it's very competitive. It's very rushed. And How long were we there? Just two years. Oh, yeah, okay. just two years. Okay. Um, there are a lot of people in Taiwan doing a lot of interesting things, but maybe, you know, I shouldn't be just talking to foreigners, like, mm-hmm. you know, like I was in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, there's a slower pace of life here and kind of like a, a, a very diverse uh, set of industries that, mm. uh, you know, that ranges from the very rural and the East Coast to, you know, industrial and, and central, central Taiwan to high tech and Shinju and Taipei. And uh, so you can, you can meet a lot of people doing a lot of different things mm-hmm. here. It's not so, you know, urgently competitive. It's not so stressful. I find that lots of people I meet are very open and welcoming to invite me to participate in whatever it is they're working on, whatever kind of project they're working on. That's that's something I love. And it's a culture I see reflected in my workplace as well. You know, I'm an engineer, but if I have an idea about marketing or about finance or something, all the people there are also very willing and open to hear my idea and maybe start some project together. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Well, I'm sure that, you know, you've only been here four years, but these four years, I think definitely there's been a lot of change and a lot of that modernization in all aspects in Taiwan. I thought that all this change in coming to Taiwan is to do with the change in time. And I think that's sort of like, it made me think that, well, that's how the world is changing. It's like there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who just, you know, do whatever they want to do with just a laptop and they can just do anything. They don't have to have a real, you know, physical office or something like that. Anyway, these are just my feelings. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. you're absolutely right. There's been enormous growth in the entrepreneurial scene, even mm. in the time that I've been here, even just four years that I've been here. I can yeah. certainly speak to this, uh, including in electric vehicles, but in all kinds of areas. And uh, I mean, I know that the government is doing more things to try to relax the environment for people from different places to come in and and join Taiwan's workforce. It's certainly, it's not as big as somewhere like Silicon Valley, but you know what? The other benefit of that is that the entrepreneurial community here is also very tight, you know, it's Mm -hmm. very supportive and a lot of people know each other. And of course, in my industry, lots of people will say this, but it is 
it's fantastic to have such a robust manufacturing environment here where actually most of Gogoro's supply chain is all local. A couple individual components may source from overseas, but yeah. if I need to visit any kind of supplier, uh -huh. it's usually just a, you know, a drive or a, a high-speed rail trip. So wow. that's also one of the original reasons I came to Asia actually is for this. You know, the the traditional kind of environment in Silicon Valley, if you're a hardware engineer, is you draw your, you know, you make your drawing or your schematic and, you know, you send it off to China and it comes back, right? All made. And you have no idea how it happened, you know. And so coming here, one of the big goals for me was just to get closer to that process. How do we turn, you know, an idea into a physical thing? Well, there are a lot of fab labs. More and more, uh, and in places yeah, you wouldn't up, expect. Uh, yeah, you know, like cafes. And exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure part of it is because it's, it's all global trends, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think Taiwan is catching on, but slowly. In some respects, but I would say, you know, I find that Taiwan in some ways is far more advanced than other places, and maybe some things are slower, but a lot of times I think maybe it's just that we don't, we get used to the things that are more advanced or we take them for granted. A lot of people talk about healthcare system and this is maybe not so much about the mechanics, but as an engineer looking at the technology that I have this IC card that I can use to check into my appointment and all of my medical records are associated with that and mm -hmm. will get sent to the doctor when I check in. You know, that's a marvel. Back in the US, they're still, you know, mailing paper files Seriously? between doctor's offices. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, oh, wow. they're trying to electrify this now. Yeah, oh, but finally. but you know, there's a lot of things like that that Taiwan's make is is really exemplary in, and I also think what I do at GoGro is an example as well. We have the world's biggest battery swapping network. We have the only battery swapping network with complete coverage of an entire country here in oh, Taiwan. Right. It's a, it's really an example and. I have to say that we have investors or partners, or other other foreigners come here to Taiwan and they see what we've built with Gogoro. And at first they see it, they think it's some kind of demo or some kind of prototype. And when we show them that there are hundreds of thousands of scooters like this and they're using the, the battery swapping network every day, they really are blown away. They yeah. can't believe this actually exists. Uh -huh. So, you know, we can feel proud in Taiwan to have made these kinds of things that are exemplary, you know, That's and world class. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been so much fun talking to you, Daniel. Mm. Thank you. Oh, yeah, and you're um, good luck with your work at Gokuro. I'm sure it's going to continue to do great. I hope to see more and more people, you know, ride Gokuro. I think that's the way to go. You think you're here to stay for good? In we'll Taiwan? see. I got no plans to leave. <laughs> we'll keep going for now. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, we need people like you. All right. Thanks, thanks Daniel. Thank you. Thank you.